Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Well, happy Father's Day. I have, a, uh, I have this theory that women invented Father's Day. Um, and the reason, and, and just tra- go with me here for a second, because I, I believe this is the gospel truth, okay? That women invented Father's Day because uh, we know women invented Mother's Day. A mom came up with Mother's Day. She's like, I'm taking a day off, all right, you know? And then everybody rallied. But, but you know, you're, you're a good dad on Mother's Day if you do what? Do you take the kids and give mom a day off, right? Well, and then somebody invented Father's Day, and you're a good dad on Father's Day if you take the kids, thus giving mom a day off, right? <laughs> so to all you dads out there, I hope you're able to take some time off today. We have uh, five kids. Somebody's like, man, you guys got a lot of kids. I know, trust me, bro, I know. Uh, we have five kids, and it's not like we forgot how it happened. My dad came to me one day. He's like, son, I'm going to buy you a TV because you need a new pastime. I'm like, I like my pastime, dad. Thank you very much. <laughs> but my wife and I have five kids. And when we were pregnant with our sixth, like I, or fifth, sixth, no. <laughs> when we were pregnant with our fifth, what I say? Fonz. Some woman just fell out in the spirit in the front row. <laughs> when we were pregnant with our fifth, you know, we tell, you know, after, when you have five kids, nobody even congratulates you anymore, right? Like your first kid, they're like, you know, and we didn't have the gender reveal thing. Like now I see the most elaborate gender reveal where it's like, you know, they explode, they explode. There was an explosion there. They, they explode like, you know, fireworks and it's blue in the night sky. And it's like, we're having a boy. And they're all excited or it's pink. It's a girl, right? You know, there was nothing like that when we were having kids, you know. It was just like, oh, we're pregnant, you know, and, you know, they'd clap, you know. The first one, they get excited for you. The second one, you know, they're like, oh, this is great. Wow, that's so great. You're going to have man-to-man defense, you know. And it's like, yeah, you know. By a third one, they're like, whoa, you know, are you guys done, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then by the fourth, they're just like, oh, that's right. You grew up Catholic. It's why, you know. Catholic or Mormon, they always think, you know, when they see us, when they see us roll up to Chick-fil-A, you know, we're, we're the family that they're like, oh, dude, we're stuck behind this family, you know, like, we're that family, you know. But when you have your fifth, they're like, oh, that's cool. So do you want to, like, go out to eat or, you know, like, nobody even congratulates you, you know. So we're, we're moving down here, and so we're pregnant, Fawn's pregnant with August, and we sat all of our kids down, because it can be emotional, right? When you start adding siblings, it can be emotional, especially when you have so many, so close in age. So we sat them all down and we tell them, you know, look, we love you. And just because mommy is having another baby doesn't mean that we love you any less. But we will have to let one of you go. (laughs) That's funny. That's just a joke. We didn't really say that. So we're starting a new series today. That was just a corny dad joke. You got to get a dad joke in there. Corny dad jokes trying to be punny. Um, so we're starting a new series today uh, called All In. And um, when I look around the body of Christ, I would say this message, some messages you get from an inspiration, and then other times it really comes from a place of a burden. And um, sometimes it's both, obviously, right? 
But I, I would say, like, from this, this message and this series that we're going into is really a burden that I have. Because when I look around at the body of Christ, I'm concerned that we've made an emphasis on getting people to buy into Christianity rather than selling out for Jesus. And, and, and you can get so focused on pray this prayer and, 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 and become a convert when that's not what Jesus asked us to do. In fact, at the, the big preach session that Peter did, his first opportunity to share Christ, you know, up in front of all these people uh, at Pentecost, uh, there wasn't even one prayer that was prayed. And 3,000 were baptized. Like, try to fit that one in your theological mind, right? It, and it, and it, it, was, it was repent. It was be discipled. It was go all in. And so we're going to spend the next few weeks kind of unpacking that. What does it look like to go all in? Go all in with my heart. What does it look like? We're going to look at some key places and times in biblical history, share some stories, hear some testimonies of people that went all in. In Romans chapter 10, which is kind of a key scripture for us that really hit me with this burden as I was studying and preparing this uh, over the last number of weeks, it says in Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they going to call on the one that they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard about? And how can they hear without somebody telling them about Jesus and how awesome he is? And how can anyone go tell about Jesus, preach, unless they're sent? For as it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And God is calling us to go all in. This isn't a season anymore where Christians can simply sit on the sidelines. Uh, he's not looking for that. You know, it's like, you know, my, my Seahawks, I love my Seahawks, and I'm watching some of the spring training, and they got, you know, a roster of like, whatever, 70 or 80 guys, and they'll cut that down to 53 before the end of the, before the, end of the practices are done, before preseason hits, and the season gets started. And, but out of 53 guys, there's only going to be a certain amount on the field at any given play. Well, right now, God's saying, hey, you're all off the sidelines, you're all being put in the game. And that's what he's looking for. And so it can't just be one person. It can't just be one church. And God's not calling you necessarily to just go to church. He's calling you to be a sold-out disciple. And when we walk in the, in the power and the presence of God, when his life in what he did and his life inside of us so consumes us that we see change. We see people's lives healed. I loved hearing a testimony this week uh, or last week from Allison. And she shared about how uh, she offered to pray for somebody. And, and just taking that step of faith, and, and we think, oh man, that's awesome to pray for people, and it is. But have you ever asked anybody that wasn't a believer if you could pray for them? Hey bro, can I pray for you about that, what's going on in your life? Uh, the first few times you do it, I, I promise you, you'll probably feel a little bit of you know, butterflies in the stomach, right? It feels a little bit uncomfortable, but it's exactly where God wants you to be right? He doesn't want us to be like this Christian clique, Christian club, country club Christianity where we kind of show up, have a good message, go home, you know, eat a meal and talk about whatever the pastor said. Hopefully it's good, you know, but you know, we, that's not what he's asking us to do. He's asked us to come together. Yes, that we do not forsake gathering together. Yes, we should gather together. Absolutely. But he's calling us to leave here on a mission to go and bring change to the world that so badly needs him. You know, when we moved into town to plant Authentic Church, uh, I had somebody kind of scoff and they said, does Orange County really need another church? 
Seems like the Bible Belt of California. And I know, you know, they kind of joke about that. Um, but I take that stuff personally, man, because there's 3.2 million people that live in this region. And if you filled every church building to capacity, only 10% are able to get in the door. That's it. 10%. That's it. So that's basically, you're telling 90% of the people, sorry, we, we don't have room for you. And in any given Sunday, 7% or less will actually walk into a church because we're so busy with everything else in life and kids and sports and travel and the beach and everything. And, I, and all that stuff's great. I'm not saying not, not, that stuff's bad. I love the beach. You know, I love going out and having family time. I'm just saying in terms of putting uh, a premium, a priority on coming together, joining with other believers, and then going out and walking in the power and presence of God. So God's calling us to go all in. There really is a heaven. There really is a hell. Some people don't like to hear that. By the way, hell wasn't created for people, okay? I just want to make that clear. God did not make hell for the bad people. Actually, he made hell for Satan and the demons, okay? But when we don't choose him, we're making a choice for that. that but that's not his will. In fact, the Bible says that his will is that all people would be saved, all people. Well, why aren't, people, why aren't all people saved then? Why don't all people get to go to heaven then? Well, because they didn't choose to walk with Jesus. They choose, to, God doesn't want a bunch of robots. He doesn't want a bunch of robots in heaven, right? Just doing whatever he tells me to do, right? That's not God. He's a loving God. He's a kind God. He's relational. I love my wife, but if she just walks around and just, well, that wouldn't be such a bad thing, actually. But if, <laughs> I love my wife. Just lost points with all the women in the room. I love my wife, but we, I want relationship. I want her to choose to love me. I want her to make that choice, right? She wants me to choose to love her, to put her first, right? And so, and the same is with God. And so Jesus, uh, he was a, a Jewish man, a rabbi, in a Jewish place with Jewish people, all right? And he did most of his ministry near this big lake called Galilee. And, and around that lake, there was about a quarter of a million people that lived there during that time. I've walked those shores. I've put my feet in that water. I've gone out on the water on a beautiful boat and worshiped. And it was awesome, man. And I highly recommend it. If you can get to Israel, do it, okay? And Jesus spent most of his time ministering there. And, you know, he comes onto the scene, and we read about him. And not a lot's known about him. As we know a little bit about his birth. Then he kind of makes a cameo appearance at age 12, right? Where were you? I was about my father's business, right? And then he, then he kind of appears again when he's, in his, when he's 30, and he's walking up, and, and he gets baptized by his cousin John. John says, whoa. I'm not worthy to untie your sandals, brother. And, and Jesus says, no, you're going to baptize me. So John baptizes him. And then Jesus goes out into the desert. And for 40 days, he fasts and he prays. And there he, he meets, you know, Satan comes to try to tempt him. And he battles Satan with the word of God. There's a lesson there. He battles Satan with the word of God. And he comes out of that time. And then he's strengthened. And now he's ready to go and call his first disciples. So he's walking along the beach. And this is a conversation he has. We're going to pick it up in Luke chapter 5. If you have your Bible, uh, you can turn there. It's a free country. You can turn anywhere you want, but I'm going to be in Luke chapter 5 if you want to join me. Um, if you don't have your Bibles, that's cool. We're going to have a big Bible up on the screen. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to jump into the Word of God. Amen? All right. Lord, we thank you for your Word, that it's alive, it's a light to our path. And Lord, I pray that you would breathe on these Scriptures today. I thank you that your Word is holy and your Word is true. 
Lord, I pray that you would just shine a light and illuminate things that we never saw before. God, give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. Give us minds to understand your word and a heart to believe. God, I pray your blessing upon our time together today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, Luke chapter five. So this is Jesus. He's calling his, his first disciples. So Luke chapter five And when he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, he said, put out into the water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'm going to let down my nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both boats. And they were so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had t- taken. And so were James and John and the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up onto the shore. They left everything and they followed him. They left everything and they followed him. You know, sometimes in my Christian walk, admittedly, uh, I wanted Jesus to follow me more than I was passionate about following him. I, I, I was kind of, I went through a season where Christianity was kind of bland. It's kind of like lost its taste. I was there. I mean, we'd show up, we'd go to church, we'd sing. Um, I'd even serve in church. But the salt had lost its saltiness. You know what I mean? The food just didn't taste as good. And, and I just kind of got blah. Like I'm here physically, but I'm not really here spiritually. I'm showing up here, but I'm not really showing up here. And then there was a fire that got lit inside of me where somebody was speaking a message in a gathering kind of like this today, and we worshiped and prayed. And man, I just thought, you know what? I'm, this comfortable Christianity thing, that's not what he called us to do. And, and there was a fire that just got lit inside of me. And I pray that that fire gets lit inside of you too. Jeremiah talks about the word of the Lord. It's like a fire that shot up in my bones. Like he couldn't contain it. Like it had to come out. And I'm praying that that's gonna, that's gonna happen for you today. And we read this story and the followers of Jesus, we can read it in, in all the different accounts in the gospel where Jesus calls the disciples. And it almost looks like a weird scene from a movie. Like I I talked about earlier, God doesn't want robots, but when you read that story, it kind of looks like robots. I mean, if you could imagine somebody walking into your place of business and saying, hi, how are you doing? Hey, come and follow me. And then you just go, okay, and you just drop everything and you just start following that person. I mean, is there anybody else that if some dude walks, I'm like, Okay, you're either crazy or I need to call the cops and maybe both. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, like I mean, I read sometimes. Uh, you know, pardon my humor, but sometimes I read the Bible and I'm just like, this is bizarre, Lord. Like, this is this is weird. Like, how in the world? Like that that whole thing. Like a burning bush. Moses is sitting there at the like. That's weird, God. You know, like I, Jesus spit on some guy's tongue. That's weird. Like that's that's bizarre. You know. And by the way, we do not have a tongue spitting ministry here at the church. Just letting you know. Not intentionally, anyway. <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> not intentionally. <laughs> so Jesus calls his followers, and we want, we look at that story, and we're like, "Man, that's, I mean, that's cool that they said yes, man. Like, wow, that's cool, but that's a little odd, right? But if you understand the text, 
and you understand what a rabbi meant in their society, I mean, it was powerful. So like I said, Jesus is a Jewish man, and he's calling Jewish guys to come and follow him, right? So if you are a young boy or girl growing up Jewish in that area, um, about the age of five, six years old, you would start elementary school. And in their culture, it was called Beit Sefer. And so you'd go to Beit Sefer, and you would be taught the Torah. And the Torah would be taught usually by a, a teacher within the synagogue or the rabbi. And they would teach you the Torah, and they wanted you to, to understand. And they didn't want you just to, like, know facts and figures, like, about God. They wanted you to really know God. And so the teachers and the rabbis were passionate about it, and they got all the little kids here, and they're, they're teaching them, all right, we're going to study Genesis. And they take them through the account of creation and everything, and they brings them up through Abraham, Isaac, and, and Israel, and Egypt, and then Moses, and then they read the book of Exodus, and they teach them that. And then Leviticus, and Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the, the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. And so you would read that, and you would study that, and that was basically your schooling all up until the time you were about 10 years old. And at about 10 years old, then uh, you would kind of test out. And a lot of kids at that time, at 10 years old, that, that's, that was the level of education that they got. That was it. Now you got to go help in the family trade, learn the family business, because by 15 or 16, they were getting married and start having kids, right? So you better learn a family trade so that you can provide for your family, right? So 10 years old, that's kind of the height of their schooling at the time. But then there was a few that were really special. And the special kids, kind of like the best of the best in the class, and you know who you are. I was not that guy, but some of you, you were that one. I think Min and Hannah were both those ones. But, you know, the best of the best, they got to continue on. And they went to the next level of schooling, which is kind of like our junior high-ish type of, type of deal, and that, was, that would be Beit Talmud. And Beit Talmud, that, then you would learn the rest of the Bible. So you'd learn about the history books, right? Chronicles, and Samuel, and Kings, and you'd learn about the Psalms and, and the poetry books and the prophets, the major and minor prophets, and you'd read that, and you'd begin to learn, and you would, you would spend extensive amounts of time studying that for the next four or five years, okay? You would go through Beit Talmud, and then you would finish that. So you'd be 15 years old, and a lot of times you were told, the majority were told, great job, that's awesome, but based on how you scored on your last test, it's probably time for you to go and learn a family trade. And man, some of you, if you grew up in that day and age, you would have been heartbroken because the rabbi was like the most revered person in society. Everyone wanted to be like the rabbi. They want, they, the rabbis were honored, they were revered. Man, if the rabbi came to your house for dinner, that was amazing. Like, you would tell that story for the rest of your life. When the rabbi was in town and teaching from the, the holy scriptures, like, you just sat on his every word. They didn't have social media and Instagram and everything else back then. The rabbi was it, right? The rabbi was like, you know, Michael Jordan, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, all in one, right? I mean, that, like the rabbi was that guy. Everybody aspired. Man, if you could spend time with the rabbi, that was amazing. And so those that were studying get told by the rabbi, good job. Um, I think you're incredible. I see you love God, but I think it's time, son, that you go and learn a trade. And a lot of times it would be a little bit of heartbreak, <laughs> but you'd get over it. Time would go on and you'd learn a family trade.
But the best of the best of the best, they got an opportunity to take their studies one step further. And that was called Beit Midrash. And that's where they would go and apply to be a disciple of a rabbi, like an apprentice. And you would go and you would have a meeting with a rabbi. Now rabbis back in those days, rabbis had kind of their own set of interpretation of the scriptures. Some might say, well, this scripture means this. And then another rabbi might say, I see what you mean, but I actually see that that scripture means this. And the set of teachings or interpretations of a rabbi was known as the rabbi's yoke. And so when you would study under the rabbi, you would take his yoke upon you. Some of you are already two steps ahead, right? You would take that rabbi's yoke upon you. And so you would go and you would apply to the rabbi. And, and you, would, you would set up the, the, the meeting. And man, you would, study, you would study your butt off for that meeting, man. I mean, that's like the job interview of job interviews. That'd be like, if you're a tech person, that'd be like sitting down with Steve Jobs. And, and he's like, I'm going to teach you and train you. And you're going to take my role. Or you're sitting down with Elon Musk. Or you're sitting down with, with the owner of the Lakers. And he's going to hand you the team. Like that's the level that like your 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 family's at home and they're praying. They're like, oh dear God, help him do good on this test. Oh God, help help him find favor with the rabbi. Like this would be amazing for our family if our son was or daughter if our son not not daughter if our son only men were allowed to be rabbis. If our son ended up becoming a rabbi, that would be amazing for our family. And so everybody's praying and waiting. And so you'd go and you'd sit and you'd meet with the rabbi. It's like the test of tests in front of people. Man, I mean, you're you're put on blast. And you sit there and the rabbi would grill you. Because the rabbi would want to know, if I'm going to spend time with you, I got to know that you don't just, you can't just know this in your head, but can you really know this? And the rabbi, because if they say yes to you and they're going to let you apprentice under them, that rabbi is going to be spending a lot of time with you and he, he want to make sure he likes you. Because <laughs> nobody likes spending time with people they don't like. <laughs> right? You know? So the rabbi's got to know, this guy's going to follow me everywhere I go. Uh, he's going to be around me morning, noon, and night. I, I, I got to like this guy. But can he also know what, he, what I know? And beyond knowing what I know, does he have my heart? And can he do what I can do? And so you'd, you'd ask the rabbi. And you'd talk to him. And he would grill you, sometime for hours. And you would go through. And at the end of it, because the rabbi had to be picky, he only has so much time and he can only have so many disciples. I mean, you can't spread yourself too thin. And so the rabbi would tell you, I can clearly see you love God. And man, you know the scriptures. I can tell you're studied up. I, I heard about you from your teachers. You're, you're the real deal. Um, I just don't think that maybe I'm the rabbi for you. Um, so I'm going to encourage you. Uh, I think it'd be a good time for you to go learn the family trade. And if you heard that, man, it'd crush you. But to the best of the best of the best, if you're sitting in front of that rabbi and he sees a spark, maybe sees some of himself in you, he would say, come follow me. And it was like, the greatest offer that you could have been given. It would be better than apprenticing under your hero, whoever that hero is. It was the greatest moment, it was the greatest phrase that you could hear, come 
and follow me. So here's Jesus in Luke chapter five. So Jesus rocks up onto the scene and he sees these fishermen that are out there fishing. They'd been fishing all night. They were tired. They didn't catch anything. Man, it sucks when you work and you don't get paid, okay? So they, they don't catch anything. They're like, what are we doing? And then this guy comes walking up. Now Jesus looked like a rabbi. Some people ask, well, why didn't Jesus start ministering before he was 30? Because according to rabbinical law, you actually couldn't have a public ministry until you were 30 years of age because something about the age of 30 said that you've done some things in life, you've experienced enough in life, you have enough uh, years under your belt that we can get behind you as a teacher imparting into us. And so Jesus, right, he grew in wisdom, stature, and favor, and he said, I didn't come to abolish, I came to fulfill the law, right? And so Jesus rocks up to the scene, he's 30 years old, and he sees these fishermen, and there they are. And he tells them, he says, hey, Guys, put your nets down again. And Simon's like, who is this guy? <laughs> Stay in your lane, bro. Like, <laughs> you're a rabbi. I'm a fisherman, okay? I kind of know what I'm doing. Uh, I've been doing this since I was younger. When I was told I wasn't good enough, I, this is what I went and did. I've been doing this for a long time. But because you're telling me to do it, and you're the rabbi, out of respect, I'm going to put down my nets again. So he goes and puts down his nets again, and then the craziest thing happens. The catch of a lifetime. Can't even bring it in his boat. His buddies, his brother Andrew, and then his buddies, James and John, the son of Zebedee, they're like, what in the world? So they're all running over. They're helping to grab the nets. It's breaking both of the boats. They're starting to sink. It's filling up. And then Peter has this revelation. This guy, I don't know who he is, but I'm so not worthy. And so he feels like, I am an unclean, I'm not a holy man. Please get away. Like, I, I don't know what to do with this. And Jesus tells him, he looks at him and says, don't be afraid. I got you. Don't be afraid. I got you. Come with me. Now, Peter, Andrew, James, John... They're fishing. That means if they're fishing, they're not walking with another rabbi. That means at some point in their life, they were told, you ain't good enough, sorry. I think that's great that you love God and you know some of the scriptures, but you're not good enough, man. Oof. If anybody's ever faced rejection or faced a, a father rejection, I know Father's Day isn't always the most celebrated day for some families and some homes because it hurts so bad. And Jesus looks at them and he says, you're good enough. I believe in you. I'm going to take your hand. We're going to, not only do I think you can know what I know, but I'm going to blow your mind. You're going to do what I do. And he says, come and follow me. Jesus is calling you to come and follow him. Come and follow him. Radical. Obedience shouldn't be so radical. It should be just normal. It's just normal. It's just part of living the Christian life. And it's going to look different for everybody in this room. But whatever he tells you to do, do it. First miracle Jesus performs in front of everybody is when he turns water into wine. And I love that because for me, my wife and I, we've been married 19 years, and he's still doing miracles at weddings, and he's still doing miracles in marriages. And what did his mom tell the servants? You remember that? 
she, he tells her, he says, woman, my time's not yet come. <laughs> Don't ever say that to your mom, by the way, guys. Don't. What does she say? She says, don't listen. Just do whatever he tells you to do. That's the secret, that's the secret of the Christian life. That's the secret of going all in, is that whatever he tells me to do, man, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it to the best of my ability. I'm going all in. Sharing the gospel with somebody, I'm going all in. Praying for that person, I can see that there's a need. I feel like the Lord's telling me, like the Lord told Allison the other day, hey, go and pray for them. And she just, out of obedience, said, can I pray for you? A lot of times people are so afraid to offer to pray for somebody, but the reality is everybody's going to say yes. <laughs> you know, And you have the greatest antidote vaccine that's ever been created, and his name is Jesus, all right? And it wasn't manufactured. It was, it was God-breathed, right? And you have that inside of you. Pray for people. Get out of your comfort zone. Three things that happen. Peter gets up on, the, on that day of Pentecost, and he preaches this short sermon you can read it in five seconds, and it's actually a sermon he stole from the prophet Joel back in the day. He gets up and preaches that message, and then he's like, now what? And then he's like, and then all the people, as they hear the story, they're cut to their heart, and they're like, man, what do we do to be saved? And Peter says these words out of Acts 2, 38. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, every one of you, not some of you, Every one of you, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive, this is a promise, the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children, young and old, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. He's calling you. He's calling you. And he brought you in here today. It's no accident that you wound up in a church on a Sunday. It's no accident that you could have done a million things today. It's no accident that you're sitting here listening to some guy on a microphone talking about Jesus. It's no accident today because God is intersecting your life. And he's telling you, he's walking up onto the shores of your life in the middle of your workday. And he's saying, come and follow me. All you got to do is answer. So today, we have a number of people that said yes to his call, that want to be baptized. So we are going to migrate. We're going to conclude the service right now. I know a lot of times we'll, we'll sing and we'll have worship and, and everything else. Today, we're going to celebrate with some guys, some people that just said, Jesus, I'm going all in for you. And, uh, and I just want them to stand right now. Uh, so Chris, if you would stand. Bernard, if you were stand, these guys right here, is there anybody else that's being baptized today? These guys made the decision to go all in and be baptized today. And I, I love it. And I remember what it was like when I was a young man and I got saved. And man, I remember getting baptized and making that decision. And I was so nervous, man. And I was like, man, look at all these perfect people that got it all together. And here I am getting baptized. And I look back now and I laugh. Because the reality was, even though we had different journeys that brought us to that moment, we kind of all had the same passion in our heart. And that was, I want to know Jesus more and I want to go all in. So these guys are making bold decisions to go all in today. So uh, we are going to dismiss and let these guys change their clothes really quick. And uh, we're going to go to the baptismal tank. You're all ready? Bro, just go like that. Awesome. So Chris, Bernard, and anybody else, if you feel like you want to go all in for Jesus today, we'd love to have you be baptized. Uh, we're going to go out to the, to the hot tub while you're waiting for them to be baptized.
uh, you can go ahead and grab a coffee. Uh, you can um, grab a donut or whatever else might be there. Um, but please don't leave. We're considering this part of our service today, amen. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and, and meet outside. That's all right. Um, so this is, this is a holy moment. Anytime somebody was baptized, like it, they, they, were, they were making a bold declaration for Jesus. And some of the guys, when they'd be baptized, they, they would be ostracized from family. Uh, they'd be cut out of society of people that didn't believe what they believed. Like that really happened. And so when, the, when Peter gets up and preaches that message and 3,000 respond, they're, they're cut to the heart. They're like, what do we do to, need to do to be saved? And he says, repent and be baptized. When they make that decision, life changed for them. And the Bible talks about uh, in 1 Peter, Peter's actually sharing this. So Peter preached that first message. And then in 1 Peter, uh, he writes about it. And he says, what happens when we're baptized, it's kind of like, circumcision of the heart not not circumcision of hands but circumcision of heart and 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 God is a covenant making God and and it's not just you make a covenant you would actually cut a covenant that's why Abraham took one for the team and had to be circumcised there was a there was a covenant that was happened Jesus says there's a new covenant I'm giving you it was going to be the covenant of his blood when in any covenant that was cut then there'd be a seal a sign of that covenant so the covenant God's made with us, the seal, the sign, is our baptism. And so, uh, so this is Bernard. Uh, Bernard and his incredible wife, Sarah, have been coming to our church for a while now. And uh, they just went all in, uh, into, into Authentic, jumped in the deep end. They're like, hey, we want to be part, we want to help out, etc. And then we were talking about baptisms, and he said, I want to be baptized. And so, Bernard, why don't you tell everybody why you want to be baptized today, bro? Yeah, I just want to declare before the world that, you know, I mean, I've always had it on my heart to do it, you know, uh, but I never had the opportunity to be this close and serving in a church and be this close to the pastor, you know. Um, So now I I found the opportunity and I'm going to go for it just to declare to the world that the old me is gone and the new me is here. So we're going to baptize him, and then we're all going to pray for him after he's baptized, all right? All right. So, Bernard, based on your profession of faith and your decision to be baptized today, we're going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, in the great name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for Bernard and his family. God, we pray your blessing upon him. God, that you would fill him fresh with your Holy Spirit, that he'd have a fresh fire for your word, for reading the Bible, for how he leads and teaches his kids and leads his family. God, he's going to have Holy Spirit inspiration. I pray that you would fill him now. God, fill him fresh and new with your Holy Spirit. God, I thank you, God. We just pray your blessing upon him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The, the wind was blowing our sign over, so we got. So Chris, Chris and his wife, uh, they started attending the church about six months ago, and uh, he jumped in and started serving. And then one day he calls me and he says, "Hey, um, uh, did your boys want to play football?" And I'm like, yeah. And he's kind of like, well, the only thing is you'll have to coach with me. 
I said, bro, if you're the if you're the main coach, I'll be your assistant. So I'll just run around and be your assistant. So he was the main coach, and first time coaching, and first time of us doing it, and our boys took this championship. Right? I mean, all I do is win. That's what we were saying. That's all we do. So uh, Chris and I were chatting yesterday, and, and he just made the decision he wanted to be baptized today. So Chris, why don't you tell everybody why you want to be baptized, bro? So I, I feel like I've kind of hit a brick wall, uh, business-wise, family-wise, and I think this for me was the next step to take to try to get me over that wall and to grow yeah. all the way around to help lead my family better. Uh, so yeah, that's what it was for me. And Chris, this guy has got the most incredible heart. Yeah, like he just, definitely. he really does, and he's he's just naturally like God's place it inside of him he's just a servant he really cares for people and um, you know when we come to Christ a lot of times we're like well I don't feel good enough or I don't feel this or that and faith isn't based on a feeling faith is obedience and so when we were talking and it's just like you know it's it's the next step is being baptized and making that that declaration but I'm telling you when people get baptized and anybody here you that's been baptized you can attest to this uh, sin that used to creep in your life it doesn't seem to have a hold of you much anymore um, where at times it might have felt hard to hear the voice of God uh, it, it doesn't feel so hard anymore um, and, and it's that confidence you know there's a confidence that comes of those that when you get baptized there's just a confidence that comes in your faith if you just declare that to God so anyways I love and appreciate this guy so much he's become a close friend of mine and a close friend of our families and so bro it's an honor to baptize you today so Chris Christopher, based on your profession of faith in Jesus and your decision to be baptized, today as a community of faith, we join with you. We, we gather around and celebrate with you this moment, and we believe that that is, it's going to be that thing that catapults you to that next level, that your life's never going to be the same again. And so today we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. So much for Chris. God, I thank you for his life. God, thank you for your Holy Spirit living within him. Thank you that you, he was baptized today, God, and I pray for that, just that baptism in his heart, that, that fire of the Holy Spirit to fill his life, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, that you've directed his path. You made them straight. God, that he's going to hear your voice so clearly. You're going to tell him which way to walk and what to do, and he's going to do it. God, I thank you that your voice and hearing your voice is going to be so much easier now, God, from this day forward, God, as Chris lives out this this Christian life. God, I pray blessing upon him over his family, his marriage, his children. Uh, God, that his life is never going to be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Go Ravens. Chandler, this was her first day at Authentic Church, so. Uh, Chandler, why, uh, why do you want to be baptized today? I want to be baptized so I can completely surrender myself, my business, and everything to God and put it all in His hands. Um, I just want to live a, a life that's completely spirit-guided, and yeah, 